Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, from Jakarta to around the world, get ready for the Cutting Oranges Podcast, your window into the world of the Jakarta Barbarians Cricket Club, where you will hear from those that were there from the very beginning, all the way to those who are there now. From the drop catches and the thick outside edges, to the big sixes and the five wicket hauls, and all the big moments in between. So, whether you're stuck in a traffic jam on the way from Chibubur, or heading down to Penchuati on a bus, do yourself a favor and grab yourself an ice-cold bintang as we kick off this episode. Here are your hosts, John Baker and Josh Von Viana. Welcome to another edition of Cutting Oranges. Joined again today, uh, Josh, Josh Von Vianen. How are you, Josh? Baker. Usually I'm coming in hot, mate, but I'm going to be honest. I'm coming in hung. Very, very hung. Uh, so, yeah, uh, played a bit of cricket yesterday. A few beers after the match in Chiverbore. And then uh, a couple of Barbarians boys hired an Airbnb out in Bintaro and had a bit of a house party. So, uh, yes, a few gins and tequila shots and things going around. And I am uh, feeling pretty sorry for myself today, to be honest. Was there any occasion or was it just a random gathering? I feel like it was random. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let me introduce our very special guest, uh, Jared. Some known him as Sharkbait, Jailbait. Uh, Jared, how are you going there, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, John. It's uh, bright and early here over in Canada. It's, uh, just ticked over 7 a.m. And yeah, it's awesome. Looking forward to, to speaking to you too. I think out of all the barbarians that we've spoken to, we've, you know, some have been in Hong Kong and uh, New Zealand and Dubai and England. Uh, you are definitely by far the oddest time zone we've uh, we've had to traverse. So uh, thanks for getting up early. And Josh, thanks for staying awake late. Can I just add one more thing? Yeah, go Aussie, on. Aussie, Aussie, oi, oi, oi. Yeah, absolutely. Get around us. <laughs> yeah, Good it's about time we had a few Aussies on, John, I think. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I mean, the... Uh, Diplomatic relations have uh, can only take us so far. It's about time we had a few more Aussies on. So uh, shout out to Scott Mason, Ben Burgess, Ben Corbett. We'll get a few of you on. Uh, we're looking at you. OMT, don't forget the most. Scott one Mason, of the most OMT, or was oh, OMT one? Of, or was it OMT one of these blokes that you never actually really knew his real name? Is that uh, <laughs> you only ever knew him as the one man team? No, no, I knew Scott. I knew Scott well. Yeah, yeah. I know that uh, Josh mentioned that he had the net. That was one of my first experiences in Indonesia is going out to Scott's net out there on the way to West Java. Oh, you went out and played it? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. I think it must have been just before he took it down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was awesome. Out there in Tamakantana and Bogor, yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it was, uh, it was an experience because you just don't know what you're going to find with cricket in Indonesia, right? Yeah, and then just some guy, random guy's got a full, a full net. Instead of a driveway in his front. <laughs> yeah, I think of... we went and used it and he wasn't even there. He was at work or something. Like I didn't meet him that day. Yeah, yeah. He just used to let the kids come down and like the young guys, the Indonesian guys just use it whenever they wanted, basically. Yeah, I'm I'm ninety percent certain I went down with Eki, who I'd met a couple of days before because I just got into Jakarta. It's like, oh, let's go have a training session at this net and then Yeah, yeah. We might get into some of that. But uh before we do, uh Josh knowing how well prepared you are, um uh, did you know? So, you know, once again, I have not really done my homework here and uh, it's been last minute. Surprise, surprise. Here we admin. Uh, 
yeah, to the point where I actually totally forgot about it completely and uh, had to figure out the fact when we started the call. And I wasn't really sure where to go with this one, but then, you know, we've got the Aussies on. We talked about Bali and, you know, Bali Bogans, Aussies, uh, ship blokes, you know, that kind of stuff. And I was like, well, maybe I won't be too harsh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Jared a different question, sort of related. When was the first uh, brewery factory established in Indonesia, do you think? Give me the decade and I'll, 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 I'll be happy. Brewery. Oh, Indonesia's got some some rich expat history. I'm going to say like 1930s. Uh, yeah, 1920s, 1929. You were pretty close. So the Heineken Beer Company was established in 1929 in Surabaya. So that was our first the first beer company. And they, of course, brewed like many of the beers here. They got the Carlsberg um, licenses and stuff. But of course, Bintang. They're the big Bintang boys, which is uh, another reason why I'm not feeling so good today. <laughs> <laughs> they made bintang with the with something to do with the rice, right? Like the or this some sort of uh, in, ingredients oh, from Indonesia, right? Fuck, not another one. Why do people have to come back at me? I told you how unprepared I am, and then you're asking <laughs> follow up questions. No, no, um, just, hang on, I've still just, got the Wiki, I've still got the Wikipedia page open. Uh, doesn't say anything <laughs> about that. <laughs> oh, very good, very good. Uh, yeah, I definitely tried a few of those bintangs in my time over in Indonesia as well. I'm sure John can attest to as well. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, impartial to a bintang. Yeah, no, had a few. So um, maybe Jared, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe start with your backstory and uh, how did you how did you first end up in Indonesia? Um, 2015, right? Yep. So I guess the story or the journey of me heading to Indonesia goes back the year before, and it's probably going to tie well with Eki's story from the last podcast where. I'm sure he mentioned that he's himself and, and Ben Burgess and the Indonesian cricket team made a trip to play a tournament to Lismore. Uh, Lismore is where I went to high school and university. It's a, it's a city in New South Wales, Australia. And that, we actually hosted the ICC East Asia Pacific uh, regional tournament for the year in 2014. It was meant to be in Papua New Guinea, but I think there was some, um, some security scares. So the Lismore... Lismore City Council ended up hosting it. And we had eight teams from around the region. So we had the Indonesia, Japan, Philippines, Sing- uh, not Singapore. Who else did we have? Fiji, Samoa, the Cook Islands. Like there's a whole bunch of random teams. Vanuatu. They all came- yeah, Vanuatu, sorry. I actually got to play against Vanuatu in a trial match when they were um, when they were in town before the before the tournament started. Now, Eki said that they're the worst sledges, are they? Uh, what I remember about Vanuatu is they're incredible in the field. They're all incredibly athletic. Um, and as Eki said, they all just spoke their own language in the field, uh, which which playing at-pack cricket, you get really used to really fast when you play with a lot of uh, guys from the subcontinent and from India. Mm. You probably I probably recognize 10% of what's said on the cricket field nowadays, especially here in Canada as well, where the expat base is massive. But uh, anyway, returning to the story. So yeah, they hosted the t- we were hosting the tournament in Lismore and I was doing my internship with the Lismore City Council and, uh, and their events team uh, as part of my sports science degree. So through that, I ended up being tied in with the running and organization of the, the ICCEAP event there in Lismore. And um, yeah, three of the staff members from the ICC actually came to Lismore to run, to run the tournament. And I sort of just went ahead and I was asking them, well, how do you get involved with the ICC? What did you do? 
And one of the girls there told me, well, actually, she got involved with an, uh, a government initiative in Australia called Australian Volunteers in Developing Countries, basically, or AVID for short. And they send volunteers all across uh, the region close to Australia to the small island nations to help, to help with development as part of Australia's foreign aid program. I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And I sort of kept my eye uh, on their page looking at int- of, of uh, opportunities coming up. And funnily enough, after that tournament, where I met both Ben and Eki, but only in passing, I, uh, I had more to do with the Cook Island guys than the um, Indonesian team. But we had a, a guy from my club, Luke Cleaver, who both those guys probably know that was, was heavily tied up with the Indonesian team. It was quite funny because uh, Luke was just their, uh, their Australian accomplice, but he ended up doing all their or their catching practice and like doing their warm-ups and yeah so you applied so you applied to uh you applied through this program and um you were successful in getting that and then uh had you been to indonesia before or or, or, or... Uh, no i hadn't been to indo so my travel before then that was the start of 2015 before that i'd just done a cricket tour around new zealand playing for a side called the emus which is like a north coast regional side and then I'd done a year playing cricket over in England as well as an overseas player in London for a club called Harris St. Mary's, which was a, a great experience when I was freshly 18 and hadn't had a drink in my life and then went and played cricket in, in the UK. That was a big eye-opener. Yeah. What was more yes. eye-opening, playing cricket in London or uh, playing cricket in Jakarta? I was going to say New Zealand. Uh, well, <laughs> well, New Zealand, I was, we were on a tour, right? So we ended up playing 15 days around the South Island. So we, we toured around Rangiora and Christchurch. Oh, Rangoon. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so we actually played at, um, is it NPOW Stadium down there? Like one of the, I think where Christchurch plays their first class matches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of Lincoln. Yeah, we played it, or maybe not Lincoln, maybe the second ground. We played against the Canterbury Colts, oh, yep. which I guess yep. is their development team. Yeah, we played a three-day match, which was like pretty cool at the time. And it was just after they played a domestic one day. So the pitch was rock hard. It was like, it was awesome. Nice. And like, it was nice to play in a super nice field like that. But in, back to your question, John, um, both eye-opening for different reasons. Uh, yeah, I've played cricket in across five or six countries now. And to understand what expat cricket is, is like, is, is a, it's a whole other uh, uh, birdbath in itself, right? It's It's... Nothing like what you get back in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, the overrates are very different. Overrates are very different. The fact that every team has five captains is very different. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably not the Barbarians. Like, I think we were pretty good with one or two. But when you look at a few of the other teams, I'm sure you can see anywhere between five and 12 captains on the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and infighting between, between teammates is, is not the usual sledging that goes of, between opposition teams, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a host more things that you can say about expat cricket that we don't need to say on the podcast because we'll, yeah. I'm sure some people get turned the wrong way, but it's, it's very funny to see how many people think they know a lot about cricket that don't know a lot about cricket. <laughs> <laughs> I think, it, yeah, I think, so I think in another life, I'm going to do another podcast and come back and press you on some of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I can talk about politics and cricket and, and stuff like this uh, all, all the time. It's great. You should write a book. I'm not old enough to write a book yet. I'm only 28, but maybe one day. Well, you should start taking some notes because uh, I tell you, when you're 38, you might have enough material. Which is excellent. But yeah, back to how I got to Indonesia. Sorry, we'll stay on that story. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I applied through the ICC, had an interview with a lady by the name of Jane Livesley. She's still involved with the East Asia Pacific or maybe she's moved up, but she's involved with the ICC. 
Um, basically, they wanted me to go to Indonesia as a development officer, work with the local coaches, work with the local students and university players in the national team and just try and see if I could add any more experience and expertise with their, um, with their programs that they're running. So you didn't get a choice in where? It, it was just, hey, Indonesia's the opportunity. Could you go to Indonesia? Yeah, there were other opportunities that could come up time to time. But at the, at the time I was there, Indonesia was the best opportunity that there was. Like I know that cricket, the ICC have sent, sent volunteers to Fiji, Samoa, um, Papua New Guinea, no, because as Eki talked about, they're like they're more professionalized with their cricket. Mm-hmm. And most of their national team players in, um, in Queensland, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. And the Cook Island team, a lot of their guys play in New Zealand, actually, in Fiji as well. I don't know if that's another little fact for you guys. They go, but they get sent to, because I think Cook Island has a quite a close connection with the North Island of, of um, New Zealand. Yeah, there uh, it, might be like, it, it might be like Samoa where there's more Samoans in Auckland than there are in Samoa. Well, there you go. Yeah, so I think yeah. there's a lot of those island countries that have a lot of those guys there and they, they play cricket there. Uh, yeah, but yeah, ended up coming to Indonesia. I believe it was January 15th, 2015. Yeah, and we the first month I was there, we were purely based down in um, in Jogja. So Jogjakarta, West Java. And we, we went through the Wisma Bahasa uh, language training course and did a month of language training because it was a government program. They paid for us to do that, which was, it was great. It was a lot because we're doing six hours a day plus homework, trying to intensely study the language. Do you still remember some of it now or are you losing it a little? Uh, I try to think about it from time to time, but when you're not actively speaking, it's hard to, it's hard to do it. Mm. Uh, the pace that Indonesians speak at and the amount of slang that they use is, is like, it's way different to learn in the formal language to how the people actually talk Bahasa. Oh, definitely. Now you sympathize when uh, people come to Australia, right? They hear oh, us yeah. talk. <laughs> Even being in Canada, the, the rate of speech that I use with other Aussies compared to what Canadians need is just they can't understand me 95% of the time. And now you got to throw a mask on as well and they can't hear anything I'm saying. <laughs> Which is funny because I just started a serving job. So now I'm serving tables and they're like, what? <laughs> but my whole life I've always had, I've always spoke fast, especially when I get excited or I'm talking about something that I love. So the slowing down the speech thing is something that I've matured with and it's a lot better now. Yeah, you, you, you do get used to it. I, I found the same when I went to Jakarta. People people for the first three months looked at me and they said, what are you talking about? Mm. So you have to really slow it down. You have to go proper English. My um, girlfriend still looks at me like that. Yeah. Speed and then mumbling and just the rambling of words as well, like connecting two words together. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And then, uh, and then you know, starting to put slang on like Jelani you know for a roadie right call it call a beer on the road jelani you know it's like a complete mashup of everything and then uh people get confused like what are you talking about like yeah <laughs> it I was just made up, sort of made up a word right <laughs> it was awesome in indo knowing like having done that training course and knowing that you could hold up a rough conversation like the amount of cab drivers and uh other in- locals that would be surprised when you would cut into the conversation be like hey what are you saying that for or mm. Or you, you want to tell the taxi driver Agar or Meter, and he's like, looks back at you and like, oh, you know that I'm just going to try and rip you off and charge you three times as much as I should. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I guess back to back to where I was, just finished language training. Uh, let's see. So I just finished the language school down there in Georgia. Then, yeah, I was based out of Jakarta. So the national office at the time had an office in Sinayan. Uh, right by the National Stadium, which we've talked about before, Laura Punkana. And 
Yeah, I met I, the first the first person I met was uh, Albert or Aradan. I don't know if you two have had much to do with him, but he's been involved there with cricket in Indonesia for a long time. Firstly, as their general manager, but now I believe he's stepped back a bit because he's doing more teaching at university and that sort of things. But he was like the everything. He was a manager. He was a person dealing with the ICC. His father helped initially set up Cricket Indonesia. Um, I'm not fully certain of the details, so we don't need to go into the, the history of Cricket Indonesia right now. But basically, I was going to work for them for the next seven months. And as I was based in Jakarta, for the most part, I also had the opportunity to go all around Indonesia, and, which was great, and, and, and help out the athletes and, and kids because they are mostly kids. They're all university students or they're all kids that have gone through when they were young and started the program that Eki talked about at 10, 11 years old. And they've sort of gone through the system the past 10 years before I've gotten there. And they're all 20 to 25 now. And at the time of me getting to Indonesia, I was roughly around the same age. It was just, just crazy to see the different backgrounds and the different upbringings and the different experience, exposures to cricket. So how far around Indonesia did you travel? Uh, let's see. So obviously the main cricket base, like there's three bases I'd say for cricket in Indonesia. That's uh, obviously where we are in Jakarta and the Barbarians and, and that whole area. There's there's a really good cricket net facility over in East like Jakarta Timur or East Jakarta okay. in Rao Mangun, actually, Josh. Have you been out there? Uh, no, I haven't, but that's the team that Iggy now plays for, yeah. Yeah, but they have four fully boxed-in nets with full run-ups and, and all sorts of things there. I don't know. A lot of the expats don't know about it yeah. because it's owned by the University of Jakarta. Mm-hmm. But it's like an awesome facility if you can ever get out there and check it out. Like, yeah, awesome. I'll want to check it out. Yeah. Yep. So there's there's that facility there. Obviously, West Java was some of the original guys as well. Um, they had a couple of the original coaches for the Indonesian coaches in Melbourne, and uh, a lot of the young guys are based out of there as well. Like, uh, what is it? Ram Doni, Doni is there, and Muhadis, and a lot of the young Indonesian guys who play for the national team now. Obviously, DeSandro grew up there as well, I believe. Yeah. Um, who's who's who was a barbarian or is a barbarian? Or I guess they're all playing for the Indonesian teams now. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, apart from that, obviously Bali is the biggest one, and that's probably where the oldest link to cricket is with the Australian ties. I know Bali cricket started in the nineties, and I believe like in the nineteen nineties, and there was a big dispute at the start about whether the the national team should be based in Bali or or in Jakarta because a lot of the best players are based in Bali and that's just a fact. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's been playing a lot longer, right? And they've got better weather for it. Yeah, and they got they got a good guy in Sony out there and there was a, a couple of expat guys running this running the scene out there. And don't get me wrong, Jakarta's obviously there was there's Bordy and Taco and, and guys like that that were pushing the expat scene a long time ago as well and so yeah, the other the other part, the other places that I got to see which is pretty cool and the most unique one was uh Manado, so North Sulawesi. Obviously, most of the beaten track. I went up there for. Honestly, it was a it was a it was a sports junket in Indonesia. Like all the different sports guys were like, "Oh, we're going to have this conference in in Manado, North Sulawesi." So they flew everyone up there, and they had this swanky hotel, and like everyone was staying there, and they were just talking about how good they were, and and how all the different sports were operating. So we had everything from rugby there, cricket was there, then more your badminton, like all the all the different sport bodies were there, just having a big conference. Um, that was pretty cool. Uh, some of the more unique settings I got to see, I went down to central Java, so Java Tanga, and I worked with the athletes down there. Um, the passion for cricket was un- unreal. They used to play, they drag out a synthetic strip and put it down on the uh, on just a grass soccer f- or football pitch, which obviously there is a lot of, and there'd be dust blowing everywhere and they'd be running in and bowling and the ball wouldn't bounce. And 
but they'd still be playing or the ball would kick up at your face, but they'd just love it. And they'd be playing with the hard ball. And um, I feel like 10 or 20 years ago in Indonesia, one coach must have come over and showed everyone how to bowl the same way. Because it's like they're building a whole <laughs> bunch of robots with these Indonesian cricketers where every single one, it's all fun on, arm comes around, it's straight up and down. And they, just, they have no room to think, oh, there's different ways you can bowl the cricket ball. They're like, this is the best way to do it. You must do it this way. So trying to explain, yeah, trying to explain to young guys that they can use their body, use their legs, and they can actually generate a lot more pace than what they're doing because they're, they're strong humans, right? Like especially some of the Papuans and the West Papuan guys and the guys from those other outer islands, they're, they're really built strong and they're, they're really great athletes. Just need a bit of coaching. That's what you were there for. Well, just need a different perspective, right? Because one, one guy trying to do so much work, is, it's, it's tough when you're, when you're teaching four or five coaches. Like I know in terms of Indonesians, Eki mentioned Zakai or Zakaria last week, but there's obviously Melbourne from West Java. You got Yeri or Jerry, who, who's a guy based in, uh, in, in Jakarta there. Sony's a guy based out in, um, in Bali. And these are all guys that started playing cricket with the SPAC when they were young. And now they're using their skills to try and develop the Indonesian youngsters, which is, which is awesome. And there's a great setup in the provincial system now. So, yeah, it's good to see. And just the differences on that bowling, right? You say that they're all they bowl all front on. You're talking about sort of getting on the side, arm up, looking over the shoulder, and then twisting and and sort of you know following through on the planting uh, planting your leg, planting your foot, yeah. and, and driving through that way. Yeah, yeah, that's that's part of it. Without getting too technical, more about the load up and the support, like being able to jump up and put a lot of force through your hips through the crease, yeah. and then being able to rock back and set your body back in a position where you can use the sling of your body to get the ball coming faster and to get your yeah. arm speed up. Twist up and like a lot of guys, they're all just front on actions, which is really difficult to do. So yeah. you're actually capped at a maximum speed you can hit unless you've got an obscene body. Like the injuries you'll get and stuff is uh is yeah. ridiculous if you if you keep that same action. Yeah, okay. But that stems through one guy coming 15 years ago and teaching them the them how to bowl that certain way, and then the, the Indonesian coaches just knowing that one way, right? Like they don't know the the small details of how you can change it off and the fact well, that you how- look at yeah, well, that's how they learned to bowl. So they'll just pass it on how they learned to bowl to everyone else. And then it just yep. gets passed on and passed around, right? And I don't know if you noticed, but every Indonesian cricketer you see will bowl medium pace. You won't see any of them bowl and spin, really. Yeah. Just because they haven't had the coaching at a high enough level to be able to bowl a ball that spins. If they do bowl spin, they'll just like release it straight and it'll just go straight anyway, but it'll just be slow. Mm. That's what I noticed. Like, there's some amazingly talented cricketers don't get me wrong and and guys like the sandry are bowling probably 120 kilometers at his peak like he's bowling good levels like um for for, Indo- for indonesia the batting is quite impressive too like they can they, they hit the ball quite well and obviously they, their dedication is probably the biggest thing i noticed like the fact these guys are making so little but they're making it through sport and they're happy to train they were training five days a week playing one or two days a week like they go there every single day and just they're at the nets they create their little family and they just, they work off each other. And it was, it was great to be a part of, especially with the, the DKI guys. So the guys based in Jakarta, like I worked a lot with them, the guys and girls, sorry. So, cause there's quite a few talented females that were playing there as well. Mm. Um, I wish I had more time to work with the Bali guys. Cause that's just a whole not, it feels like two different programs really, but it's just so far away. I got out to Bali for a few weeks, uh, what, for one week when I was in Indonesia the first time, but I went back a few years later actually and played in the Bali Sixers, which was pretty fun. Um, yeah, but cricket in Indonesia, it's, it's, I think it started in the 90s. And I mean, there's a lot of room for development. They're trying, to, they're trying to build facilities now to be able to 
to facilitate growth. And then, so you're, you're, you're farting about in Indonesia, working hard with these guys, developing these athletes, getting them, getting their skills up. Um, you know, you've come to a new place. You're really enjoying it. At some point, um, you stumble across a barbarian in a pub and he asks you if you want to play, I'm guessing, or. I reckon this is what I do when I move anywhere is I'll research expat cricket teams like just on Facebook or on Google. And I think I sent a message as well to the JCA originally, like when I was coming over saying, I want to play cricket here. And they, they sent like, they mentioned some teams. I don't remember, maybe. Yeah, after I got to Jakarta, they end up having the, remember my first experience there was I had a awards night from the season before. Mm. Well, you and wouldn't have met a CX, we never go. I, I met one of you guys there or a few oh, of you guys there. So there was three barbarians that I recall being there. Uh, one was Desandri, one was Eki. And one was Ben, Ben Burgess. Oh, he would have been going to collect his MVP trophy. Yeah. Yeah, I believe that's exactly what he did. <laughs> <laughs> he was there. He was there because I think he was involved, heavily involved with the Indonesian cricket team at the time as well. Yeah. I think they wanted all their players to be there. But basically, I sat down next to him and we had a good chat about it. And Chipelli was actually the guest speaker that night, Ian Chappell. No, we had, we had a table, but we got put up the back of the room. Yeah, we, was anyone else there, John? That you remember? Yeah, we we had a table because we played. I remember that one. We uh, we actually played cricket on the stage afterwards. Nice. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, yeah, no. But I got a, I, I got a photo with him, and there's a photo of us drinking out of uh, someone's trophy, and yeah. Yeah, I got the same thing. This trophy is. Oh, I can tell you who's on the trophy, and I can probably send you a photo of it if you like. Yeah, I've go got on. a photo of me drinking out of it. It's the JCA. League 2014-15, Division 1, best bowler. Can you think of who that would have been? And who would have loved the fact that we were drinking out of it? Sandra. Scott Mason. Scott Mason, OMT. Yeah, Scott oh, Mason. Yeah. It's got his name on it, Scott Mason. Yeah. We're having a nice little bit of beer. Yeah, go on. Uh, send it through. We'll put it in the show notes. The other best part about that photo is my top knot that I've got, which was glorious. Well, get into that later. Yeah. You don't have it anymore, right? No, no top knot now. No. Disappointing. Um. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. But that was my first experience of, of all the people, and uh, it was great to see, um, great to meet a lot of the a lot of the guys. I don't recall too much about the night. I remember meeting Ben and him saying, "I just I like I, I don't know, John. You know that us Aussies, we're we're pretty upfront people. We just get straight to the point. Like a lot of the other guys will tell you this and that and the rest, but I just ask him, oh, which is the best team? Like which has the best social scene? Like all that, those are probably the two most important questions. Who's actually going to get together outside of cricket and do things? And you guys will both attest to the fact that barbarians will be at the ground half an hour, hour afterwards having a chat and, and doing things. And then probably to a venue after that as well for the, the third, fourth innings. But a lot of the other teams have disappeared within 10 minutes of the match ending. Yeah. Still the same now, Josh, I'm guessing. Uh, uh, yeah, there's a couple of teams that seem to, seem to hang around. We're actually not technically allowed to hang around anymore because of COVID. So, um, yeah, obviously but- different times right now. Yeah, but uh, no, uh, we, we still do it. The Rebels have actually always done it. So we, we've been a good match for them. But there, there has been the odd team um, that have stayed around and had a beer with us, I think. But by and large, yeah, they just tend to fight with each other and then leave. Yeah. Yeah, infighting is a big thing you find in, in that sort of cricket, which is yeah. uh, there's usually, especially after the Barbarians win, there's usually someone to blame on their other team and then they all have a big argument about it. And, and that's, eight, yeah. that's eight minutes of the 10 minutes. The other two minutes is them packing up and then leaving. Yep. Paying, paying for the paying for the omelette sandwiches and the the meat goreings and then on the way out. Yeah, which depends is if there's minute. any leftovers from lunch too. They might just quickly vacuum that up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then one minute finding their driver to uh, haul them back into Jakarta. But yeah, I'm guessing there's still three three fields out there, Josh. No, nah, mate, we're just chipper only at the moment. 
So Gandhi's gone. Uh, they, they, we don't have access to Gandhi anymore. Um, what happened it's, there? Uh, it's, I actually thought it was because, you know, part of it was that they got relegated and they weren't happy with that. Um, and another, but I, and I, I always assumed that was, but I, I think one of the JCI guys told me that it was also that that land was actually never theirs and they had some issue with like how they were leasing it or there was some really? technicality on it and they, they couldn't, they weren't allowed to use it anymore. And then uh, Karawachi that came back for like one season that's out. Um, and then there's uh, Pearl Wakata, I suppose, but the Indorama guys, so the Indorama guys are not allowed to leave their complex at the moment. So there's no cricket being played out there. So Because of COVID. Yeah, so Ramawangun, Iki's uh, new team, they joined with Indorama because you had to join with another team, but it's just Ramawangun because the Indorama guys are not allowed to leave for Wakata. Or not even allowed to leave. Yeah. So there's one or two Indorama guys who are outside the compound and they're probably playing with them, are they? There was one, literally one guy, and I think he's only turned up for one game. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, sorry. I'll, there'll be side notes everywhere here. It's the way that I like to talk, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, so went to the awards night, met Burgess, and then he invited me to a barbecue at someone's house. Now, I can't remember whose place the original barbecue was at. I think it was either Simsy, Barnsey, or maybe Hankins. Hankins and I remember, likely. I remember going along to the barbecue and, and meeting quite a few of the guys and, and having a few beers with you guys and... Yeah, that was the first experience with the Barbarians, I think. So an um, off-field experience, not an on-field experience. No, I do remember the first on-field experience. I'm sure we'll get to that mm. in a so bit. You met us at a bar. You met us at a barbie. We're all sinking beers, uh, talking shit, doing whatever. Brett Hankins probably in and out of the pool. might have been might have been Mark Bronies actually was one of the guys from from Jakarta. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you just thought these these blokes are all right. I'll have a roll. Yeah, we, well, we, we passed the test. Yeah, I mean, I was always going to play cricket. And I just wanted to play cricket with the most fun guys. Yeah, sounds um, to me like sounds to me like we didn't do much uh, interrogating of you as more you interrogating of us. Oh, not not even. But Burgess has said we're the only team that you really want to play for, and I took his word because I knew that he played some great cricket. So, mm. <laughs> and he was an Aussie, right? So you got to you got to trust that in a country full of. Everyone else, like a lot of different nationalities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd always trust an Aussie. They've never done anything underhanded or under-armoured, you know? Well, that's oh. good to know. So you know that, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Chappelle, but anyway. <laughs> Mate, let go. Let go. Hey, it was the 40th anniversary the other week. We had a public holiday in New Zealand. I'm pretty sure so, they almost, the, the player that bowled the last over said he almost bowled an underarm just out of like memory. Like in the actual match, because they played the the memorial match or whatever, right? Like they played, oh, yeah, there, was yeah. a, there was a tour and they, they needed like 40 to win, but he's like, oh, he almost just bolted underarm just for the... Just for the shits and giggles. Just for a dig, but I think it's too... The world's too PC now, you can't be doing that. <laughs> I think he, he fake bowl, he fake underarmed it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember who it was, yeah, but I do remember that, yeah. I was going to ask uh, your memories of playing on-field and, and some of your on-field highlights. I remember the match. I remember... The first thing I saw when I got there was a uh, severely hungover John Baker lying down with a towel on his face. Get lost. <laughs> Bullshit. Bullshit. That's so we were playing at, I, I believe it must have been one of the, uh, what are the other names of the grounds? Not Chibabore. Karawachi. Not Gandhi. Maybe it was Karawachi. Perwakata. Was it a long, long drive? Like out, like really far? It was the one, and yeah, you walk, you sort of, maybe it was at a, is it like the back of a school or something? And like yeah, you yeah, walk down the steps. Barucata. Barucata. Steps, Barucata. Probably Barucata. Barucata. So 
it was a it was a dry day thankfully but it was already really hot in the morning i remember that and we had a bunch of uh bodies that had seen better days putting it lightly like a, a bunch of guys that had, had a, a few the night before not turn just not just John. I, I don't throw John under the bus. There was a, there was a few turn guys that were definitely struggling, but I just up. distinctly remember this this big this Aussie is. guy lined lying on the ground, <laughs> struggling his way through the morning. That's probably um, dehydrated. I was probably dehydrated from the drive out there. What are you talking yeah. about? I believe we lost the toss and had to field first as well, which is which is never a good thing. <laughs> um, oh, that is like so that's just you know that's just next level stuff. You, when you turn up to in Indonesia, you turn up, you're so hung. And then you get yeah. into fear. And the fact that humidity is like five overs, it's it's tough going. Humidity is one hundred and fifty percent. Oh fuck. <laughs> uh, do I remember how it went? I remember I, I think I scored around fifteen runs. I don't know if anyone's going to fact check. I can fact check myself. I've got it open here. You're a bit of a stats man, are you? Oh, I've only played six matches, so it's not very much to look at. <laughs> yeah, but still, you're a bit of a stats man. You're a bit of a keen eye on the stats. Yeah, I'm looking. Looking at the numbers here now, so thankfully, most of the games at the time I got there are, are recorded online. Okay, yeah. um, but now looking at the match and seeing what happened, I do actually remember a lot more about the day. Mm. Uh, yeah, as I said, we you had to step over a dying Aussie to get out into the field. <laughs> yeah, to... I did get that part one part wrong there, which was we actually batted first, not the dying Aussie part. Don't worry. Uh. <laughs> but I do recall. Um, talking about John, who's who joins us now, he actually was a big highlight of our first innings here. Um, but I do recall that he was that bad that we had to run him water, and I believe you were thrown up, John. Like I think you actually were thrown up that day as you were batting, but you batted for a long time. Like you faced sixty-two deliveries that day, opening it's the batting. Time. It's in a long time. That's uh, just when over innings... ten normal overs or two Baker overs. Yeah, it's a third of a third of the innings in the JCA. Which is not bad, um, but you scored fifty-seven, which is nice. Okay, yeah, all right. Not bad. Three sixes, four fours, and I Whatever. do actually. I, I remember you batting, and I remember this because you batted with Lindsay. You opened the batting with Lindsay that day. No, Lindsay was not well that day. Not me. Lindsay oh, would so have been it was the other way around. around. Yeah, yeah, Lindsay, yeah. Was Lindsay was wasn't well. Yeah, correct, correct. Okay, there you go. I was, I was at that game because I remember Lindsay being really, really sick. Yeah. There was a game I mean, that Perot carded not, that he not wasn't the well. scorecard, Josh, but maybe you were. Okay, then maybe not. I think we actually. I think John's actually just trying to deflect his hangoverness to a different oh, um, to a different game. So there was another game where Lindsay at Perot was really sick. Yeah, but I was definitely there. It was actually one of my first games. So John's just trying to. There you go. His, yeah, no, John yeah, was just. Yeah. I just remember running a ton of water out because it was stinking hot. Let's be honest. Like in, in Indonesia, for guys that don't know, you, you're playing in humidity that makes you sweat as soon as you walk onto the field and. And when the sun's out, it gets it's blaring, especially when you're under a helmet. Yeah, I think I think the thing with Puruakata is it's um, it's uh, you're in this little basin. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, it's in this little bubble, and it's next to a lake. Um, if you actually look at it on a on a map, it's actually next to a lake, and it's it doesn't have the cloud cover that Jakarta has with the pollution, so it's actually a lot cleaner, and there's a lot less cloud cover. So actually, you do sometimes. I I mean, I, I at least I in my experience, you do feel the heat. Um, a little bit more at Purokata. Um, even though yep. you're a little bit higher, um, you do feel, you, I, I find you do feel the heat a little bit more if it's a, if it's a very cloudless day. And of course, being the weekends, especially Sunday, um, maybe, maybe a lot of the factories aren't really churning over on the state of Saturday. So maybe some of the air clears, especially if there's a bit of a breeze, um, clears out a lot of the pollution and stuff and that, that cloud cover. 
um, or that fog cover, and then uh, you can get some absolutely baking days at uh, Peru Ocado. Um, but also in the wet season, geez, it can rain. It, you know, it, it can absolutely piss down there. So it's, and it's a three hour, it was a three hour drive from Bogor for me. So I, I, I've been playing out there, driving out there for three hours, and then it's just fucking pelting down and it's been rained off essentially. Yeah. Yep. I mean, imagine the locals, right? Why are there 22 blokes turning up to watch the rain every few weeks? <laughs> yeah. Know? So it must sounds like I got pretty lucky that day with no rain. Yeah. Yeah. And it was very dry. The other thing I remember about our innings. Like it says, I actually ripped myself off. I got 19, not 15. So there you go. Off 12 deliveries. And I got, I remember there was a guy that played that I'd met in Lismore that played for the national team on the other team. Uh, a big Indian guy by the name. I think his name's Faisal. Who do we play? We're playing against uh, Sanayan okay. back then. Okay. Um, yeah, Faisal played in, the, in that Indonesian team in Lismore as one of the expat players. Viraj maybe? No, not Viraj. But I know Viraj. Um, Faisal was a big, a really big guy. He wore glasses, bowled off spin and hit the ball very far. Yeah, I remember. But he was, yeah, he was bowling. I remember distinctly he bowled a, he was bowling like, he bowled me a half tracker and I hit the ball over the roof of the school. And they all got really, they all got really offended and said, why'd you hit it so far? Because I ended up losing the ball. <laughs> that's a big, that's, 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 that's a decent hit. I mean, that's, that's uh, he literally bought me a ball that just bounced like balloon to my hip and I just went well okay and I just I hit it as hard as I could and it just ended up flying over the roof and I didn't mean to but um, how's, the, uh, how's the alpha male why did you hit it so far well the guy said to me why did you hit so far we lost the ball and I felt I was really confused because the next ball I top edged it and got caught at backward point <laughs> <laughs> so as they say in cricket one and done or six and out however you want to say it but he got in my head like he really like I bamboozled me the fact that he said oh why are you hitting it so far I just hit it just over the boundary like you don't have to hit it that far. Like it just really confused me to the fact that I just was worked up and just hit the ball straight up the next ball trying to do the same thing. No, good on you. Don't worry about it. Yeah, so that's how that ended. Uh, let's have a look at the rest of the scorecard. Timmy Gutzel, he was captain that year. He scored 38 not out. Nice little dig. Um, no other really great mentions. I guess Pistol Pete played that game, but I don't remember meeting him. I don't remember who he was when I listened to, uh, oh, really? to all his podcasts. Sorry, Pete. I, I'm sure... Well, the only other Aussie I can picture is Ruben. Like I, I remember Ruben quite well. What about Enzo? Never met Enzo. Really? I don't think so. I don't believe. I think he must have been just before I got there. How did OMT go in that game? Was he the one-man team? He was 18 not out of 23. That's protecting very OMT. That is so OMT. Protecting yeah, him and Guts all got us through. So we ended up on 196 off 35 overs, which do you guys say that's a fair score in the JCA? Probably a little yeah. under. Yeah. Right, <laughs> yeah, it's good, list. but the other reason I distinctly remember this game is because we absolutely got pumped when we bowled. So let's go to the second innings. <laughs> so, yeah, we scored 196. We're like, this is okay, not too bad. Then they chase it down two down in the 28 overs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so they, they they end up on two for 198 after 28. Uh, and we had a full we had a full bowling lineup. We had Desandri, Eki, myself, Lindsay, Scott Mason. Uh, Bruni had a two overs for, ten, for 20. That's a good little sit from him. <laughs> but I do remember it was my first day and I think we dropped, I do remember we dropped some catches, but yeah, we got, what did I get? Six overs, two for 34. So not so too bad. Took, you took the only two wickets. Yeah. Here's a little start. I played six matches in Jakarta and for you guys and I didn't take less than two wickets in any of those matches. Oh, fuck. Here we go. Come back, come back. There we go. Yeah. 
But um, I remember uh, economy, Brian... economy, economy rate of 4.5, just, just just to get into it. You know, you get a couple of four wicket bags in there. Uh, 14 wickets total, 150, 100, average at 30.5 with the bat. Pretty handy, mate. But yeah, so that was the first experience going out to Panchawadi and playing cricket in the heat and, and getting pumped. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> to be fair, there was we didn't have any Josh that game, so that could have helped. And we also didn't have any Burgess that match, which also could have helped. You just completely discredited any of the runs that I scored. Thank you. Yeah. No, you did your best, but you obviously don't bowl, so it didn't help us out when we're getting pumped in the well, field. We'll get to that later. We'll get to that later, Jared. He does bowl. Well, but looking at this scorecard, you wouldn't imagine that that John would bowl very often. Yeah, yeah. Just I would have been standing at first slip and uh, all of your balls would have been skying, would have been skied over my head. I do remember that I was running in pretty hard because I was pretty pissed off that we were getting pumped and I was bowling pretty quick. Like the guy, that Mahatas, the young Indonesian guy, he was pumping everyone around. I remember just running, running and bowling a ball and just like knocking it. I think I knocked his stump out of the ground and was just like, you know how Australians are. We love to give a send off. So, yeah. <laughs> Especially to the, the 18 year old Indonesian kid. It was great. Yeah, nice. Yeah. And there you are bearing down with your, with your top knot all over him. Yeah, when they're one for 170, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah. that was that was the first match. It was, it was a long car ride, and I think I might have shared. I think Barnsley might have picked me up, or John, one of the two. I don't recall which one it was, but yeah, a long car ride. I think a McDonald's stop was definitely in there at some stage for a breakfast. A staple of a of a Jakarta road trip for cricket. I think it's a staple of all sort of club cricket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know the great cricketer talk about it for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think I th- no, I think Barnsley used to pick you up because you used to live closer to him. Yeah, I was riding an iron and he'd come grab me, I believe. And yeah, 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 and he had the best driver as well. So, <laughs> yes, really. <laughs> well, he's the one I got, I knew I knew the most, right? So I have no real claim to comment on any, any of the drivers, but Barnsley's driver I have definitely dealt with the most, and he was great for me. So I like my driver quietly. I mean, Barnsley's driver wasn't bad. Bunsy's driver was also a better cricketer than him. So, you know, there's that as well. <laughs> hey, everyone has their opinions. It's not, no one's sure, job sure. to tell us who's the right. That's right. That's right. Um, okay. So you, uh, so, so that's the first game. And you're thinking, geez, should I come back and play with these guys? We just got pumped after posting close to 200 in a 30, 35 over game. So uh, do you remember your next game or do you remember uh, your next few games? Because we would have probably played at Chibabore after that. Yeah. We played, nope, the next match was at Gandhi, okay. I reckon. So I think okay. I played, I played six matches. I think I played two at Gandhi, three at Chivabor and one at... Um, Purukata. One at Purukata, just for Barbarians. I played, I played in a couple of Sixers tournaments in, in, in Jakarta at the time as well. Like I think they have, the JCA has, hosts a big Sixers tournament or whatever. Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I played a Sixers tournament out at Baldi's place as well. Mm-hmm. Which I'm pretty sure Josh played in that that year. Yeah, pub pub sixes was it? Pub sixes. I think there was there wasn't many of us because a lot of the guys didn't make it that year, for whatever reasons it was. We'll, yep. Were you, who were you playing for? Blocking Warriors? No. Potentially, I forget exactly who I played for. I remember so many balls getting lost and so many locals going down the rice fields to pick them up. Yeah. I remember Ruben played because Ruben brought me out there for that 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 tournament. I think no. it was more like we had Ruben, we had Josh. We might have had Scott Masson and a couple of the Indonesian guys, but we didn't have most of our normal side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to play on the the grass wicket there was was unique, right? And the fact that for people listening at home, if you haven't heard the other ones, this this field 
has been cut out of a side of a hill or a mountain. He's, he's literally taken all the dirt away and, and made a cricket pitch on top of this mountain or hills surrounded by rice fields and, and palm trees and all sorts of things. Josh, you can probably describe it a bit better. Yeah, yeah, he's just basically on the, on the side of Gunung uh, Pangarango, cut the top of a volcano off essentially, and uh, built a cricket pitch. He's now got rugby fields there as well. But yeah, with a really a really great view across the valley to Gunung Salak, if you can see it. Yeah, it's a pretty and incredible it's place. This, and it's got this craggy crater at the top, which looks uh, quite dramatic at sunset because the sun sets behind it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it was it is, or I'm sure it's going to be the only the only turf we get in Indonesia. The only grass, if you can call it grass, a turf wicket, but he does a great job maintaining it. And and it was, it wasn't a concrete pitch, it was played purely on the clay there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's and it spends good. a lot of time, a lot of time and effort on, on maintaining it. You wouldn't believe what it looks like now. It's completely transformed because he's cut more layers off it since you were there. So he's, the, filled, the, so, he's filled so in the valley. He's filled in the valley and the ground's expanded. So it's actually a full size now. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and you actually walk from the clubhouse. So if you remember where the old green clubhouse was? Yep. So you can actually you actually walk from the clubhouse out onto the ground, as opposed to the fifteen meters drive a, down the hill, as, as opposed to walking out th- out the gate in through the other gate down the road and then back in. So it's actually yep. been completed. It's fully it's fully it's fully there now. Um, so just for the again just for the listeners, um, you know the first few stages of this ground, um, the valley. Um, if you think of a volcano, you get all those lava. You know you get all the lava. Obviously that then forms earth, dirt, whatever. Um, to get from the ground to the clubhouse, you would actually have to walk up the road um, and then go into another gate to get access to the clubhouse and the facilities. Um, so there was a, there was some shelter pitch side, um, and I think there was a power line, you know, run across the valley or whatever to, to get power to the ground. But essentially, if you wanted, you know, toilet showers, more facilities, you'd have to go up the road and you'd walk out of the gate, walk up the road. Or you um, just get one of, get the young fellas to ferry you out there on a motorbike or something. Yeah, that. right. That or sit in the back of around. a sit in the back of a ute or whatever. Um, but it's been it's com- so it's been completely filled in. There's now a concrete fence going all the way up that wall. Um, that that sort of fills in the stadium in, and uh, so from the, you know, so as you're batting facing the old valley, um, just sort of over the top over the back of mid on, you've got the. Uh, You've got the clubhouse there. So I can tell you watching cricket from up there is amazing um, because you get this view just sort of, I mean, I'd love to see Jared Bowl on there now, Josh, right? Just oh. that left arm over from the, from the, from the clubhouse end. Um, you would be looking straight over your arm as you'd be, as you'd be pitching up to bowl. Oh, uh, awesome. From, from that height. It's just, it's fantastic. Yeah. I definitely plan in the next couple of years, if it's, if it's feasible to get back to Indonesia, it'd be great to have, I know there's talk about doing a tour to, Lords. um the uk potentially yeah uh whether that can happen by next year with with covid and things that is yet to be seen but i'd love to have a reunion in jakarta in indonesia itself i think that'd be that'd be tops and a lot cheaper <laughs> <laughs> that'd be good that'd be good so you're I'm, I'm also looking at your stats now so your best bowling um probably i'm assuming it might might be one of your other on-field highlights but uh four for 33 is your best bowling here yeah, does it say who it was against? Let's have a look. I'm looking at I'm looking at the six matches I played in, and the one that I remember distinctly is when we played against Manara, and we bowled him out for 38. 39. Oh yeah, 38. Yeah, yeah. We bowled him out for 38, and me and Desandri initially. Well, I just remember I, I got three wickets in like the first over or two, 
You're like, three for seven that game. Three for seven. Yeah, five three overs. for seven or five. Yeah. Bottle wide, though. One wide, was it? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Probably wide. the umpire's fault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Have a look at this. Have a look at this. What, what, what were my bowling stats this game? Just read that out, Josh. Do you, want to, do you want to start this, John, or do you want to just keep talking? Yeah, no, no, just, no, no, no. Just, I think, just, I think, no, 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 no. I think we just, we just, we we're given this, and then we're going to follow that up with a with another question. Okay, so no, just I mean, you bowled you know, points, you two overs, so you bowled two, two balls, balls, two one balls, one wicket. Yeah, no runs, no runs, no, runs. no, ma- no maidens though. Didn't complete so an he, over. He, he got, he got <laughs> the number. Maiden. He came in and he uh, and he clean bowled the number. Poor Rupesh. Uh, it's got to be a full toss. I don't. I can't imagine it hit the pitch. Or right. almost, maybe it almost bounced twice, and he was trying or to. Or like one of those ball. ones that like comes down, like lands vertically on top of the bales. You know, they just sort of. But I, yeah, I distinctly remember this game, and I distinctly remember them. Yeah, I just came out and I was swinging the ball. They couldn't hit anything, right? And Desandre at the other end, he didn't get it, the, the wickets, but he was bowling just as well, and it just continued. Like we just kept going through them, and literally, what they last. Look at what we've done. Look at what we've done here. We've we've completely reversed the batting order. Ollie opened the batting. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? We got then had thirty eight to chase. Wait, wait, wait. Ollie and Bruni both got golden ducks. Yep, that that (laughs) were two for nine. I remember. Then Barnsley came in to uh, settle everyone down and hit sixteen, and then uh, Desandri hit fourteen, and Scott Mason uh, hit five for uh, Desandri and Mason to be not out. Average believing again. I think we were just so shocked that we bowled them out for 38 that we were like, oh, let's give everyone else a go. I wish you guys knew about Ollie's opening the batting and the Golden Duck last, like when you did his podcast, would have been great to get his reflections. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, when when would you, it would be very rare that you would see a, a did not bat uh, and us winning a game with Eki, Jared, myself, Burgess, Gutzel and Hankin uh, <laughs> under the did not bat. 100%. And still winning the game with yeah, two sorry. Golden Ducks to start with. So there you go. So, I mean, that's just going back to that back. That, they're pretty good figures for you. I am legitimately impressed. But, you know, prior you. to starting the podcast, we were having a little bit of off air discussion no. around other overs. And it's not I, about I, me. It's not about me. And I think Jared might be able to best explain some other bowling experiences where you've, where you've witnessed Baker tearing up batting orders. Josh, it's not about my, it's not my uh, podcast. It's Joe's yeah, but we're here, to, we're here to read those stories and the guys really want to, you know, they want to hear all the good times, the bad times, the funny times. I'll be honest, John, I've listened to all the other episodes and I'm amazed it hasn't come up yet. Okay. If I'm being yeah. completely honest, because well, this is, this is one of my on-field highlights from my time with the Barbarians. Which game, which game oh, was there you this? Go. Which there, game go. Was this? there you go. Wait, wait. He's put it into the, he's put it into the category of an on-field highlight. It therefore has to be in the podcast. Continue, Jared. I'm trying to find it in the stats here because are you I know saying you played this, are you saying this are you saying you played this game? I played this game. No, I found it. I found it. Here it is. Who who was it against? Amerio. Uh, Amerio. Yeah, we won the game. I don't know what you I don't know what you're complaining about. Oh, there must be more games. Was it a T20? No, no, this was a 35 over game. Why can I not see it? And uh geez, Bird just bowled well this day, you know. Bird just got 5 for 39. All right. I can't see it either. Oh, then it doesn't exist. You guys can't <laughs> find it. <laughs> um, did I play? I'm sure I played. Uh, yeah, you played. You got uh, two scalps. Nice. Oh, Amario. There we go. I've got it. Because they're called the NTT Cricket Club, right? Amario CC. Oh, I've that one. No, I got 55 this game. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know. A lot of you guys, we've, 
we've we've talked about Sam Mabers over right in the past. Yeah, yeah. Which which podcast was that on? If they want to throw back and listen to it, that's, uh, that's Saul's Saul's uh, episode. Yeah. So for a bit of context, if you want to go back and scroll through Saul's episode to listen to the background just to Sam Maybe and, and the Kiwi captains, captain is in playing captain's ventures with bowling. You can go and do that. Uh, but this story we'll tell will be about a good friend, John Baker, who's the, the host of this podcast. And and look, I remember this game because we had them. Sorry, we stop, doing... Josh. Josh, stop smiling. <laughs> <laughs> we were just... doing really well, right? We'd started out, we had them. What's the scorecard? So we had them 36 for four. It was something like that. Like we'd started really well. And John was like, all right, throw me the ball. I'm ready, ready to have a go. He's just, he's sitting at slip, just, you know, rolling the shoulder over, flicking the wrist out and indicating to the captain, getting in his ear. He is. And, and Timmy Gutzel, I think, like, I think John, this is, this is a stage of the whole season where John had worked up to trying to get this bowl, right? He'd been in, 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 uh, in Gutzel's ear all, all year chirping, saying, oh, I need to have a bowl. Give me a bowl. Why can't I bowl? Like, it's finally the day. Like this is the day I can I can do it because we've we've had a good start. All the openers are out. The best batsmen are gone, and uh, yeah, John came into bowl middle of the innings. I'm going to say the openers are already bowled. Yeah, myself, Desandres, Scott Mason, OMT, and and Benny Burgess are already been bowling, and and John stepped up. And John, I think the reverse of probably what you envisioned probably happened. Like I think you as an opening batsman trying to come into bowl, it was, it was more the fact that you wanted to make the score more 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 uh, respectable for them. Whereas you wanted a total to chase so you could get some runs. And, and to be fair to you, and not to just rig into you the whole time, you did score 55 batting seconds. So you've, uh, your, your score for the match is what, yeah, plus, nine, plus 19, which is okay. Yeah. Respectable. Yeah, respectable. And, and to be fair, you scored a 46 deliveries. So you've scored at 120 strike rate, which is, which is great for the, for the Chicago. You see that eight fours and two sixes. Not a lot of running there. Yeah, I reckon at this stage in the match, you'll probably... Uh, Definitely trying to try to make up some lost ground, and you you tried to score quite quickly. But getting back to the point of the story, if you know cricket guys that are listening, you know an over is six legal deliveries. Now John's John's over went none for twenty six reading on the scorecard, and I can tell you for a fact there were three scoring shots. There was a four, a single, and a single. There were three dot balls, including one drop catch. To be fair to him. Uh, we're debating whether it was on the boundary or, or by the keeper, but there was definitely a dismissal that could have happened. I was robbed. But, but yeah, John, do you want me to say it or are you going to say how many how many extras there were? Uh, well, reading the scorecard here, uh, there was 18 wides and one no ball. So that would make it a 25 ball over, including the illegal unregistered deliveries. Yeah. So the best mind part you, of the hold story Hold on, was... mind you, mind you, look at the, look at the bloke above me, right? Right, because he didn't bowl that he didn't bowl that much better, albeit he got five five poles and I got none. Yeah, I mean, if you want to compare economy rates, his was seven and yours was twenty six. <laughs> <laughs> and the best part about this story, we won't talk about it for too much longer, because I know John's hating this with every ounce of his heart. <laughs> I just don't like talking about myself. I'm not. I'm it. No. I'm not. I'm loving it. We'll keep it short and sweet because I know that he doesn't like talking about himself, and, and we do need to hear this. But I remember Ben getting. For all those listening, Ben's a super competitive guy, right? And he was getting super frustrated. We all were. We were all just, at the, by the end of it, we were like, Baker, just bowl the ball on the pitch. And Under Josh, it, it got to the stage, Josh, where the umpire requested John. He said, are you sure you're not injured? Because we can get a sub bowler to come finish this over on for you. 
he's worried about the overrate. He's like, fuck, this is going to chip into the next match. Or he said, are you sure your arms are sore? That's why you're bowling all these wides. He said, we can, we can, even if you're not injured, we can swap you out to get someone to bowl these last two balls. Oh, wow. Like, it was just did, a long how, time. How did you feel when he said that, Baker? What was going through your mind? Walk us through it. So the umpires pulled you aside and said, look, mate, are you sure you're not injured? Like, wink, wink. Like, you're allowed to come said, off. We can I said, this, I said this wouldn't have been a problem. I said this wouldn't have been a problem if my team could catch. <laughs> that does sound about right to be fair it does sound about right yeah, the, the ball slipping look the, the one thing I would say is um, look it's my worst bowling performance and we've obviously just highlighted my best bowling, probably my best bowling yeah. performance for the so Barbarians both, so, both uh, sides yeah good to see a, a balanced uh, view of the world uh, I think I think the only thing that I find really horrible and disgusting about my own performance is that uh, you know of my you know, we bowled 57 extras in that innings and uh, 19 of them came out of my hand. So that's probably uh, that's probably the most uh, disappointing thing. And to be fair to you and, and not taking the whole story, I bowled seven wides as well. So yeah, across five overs, sure. thankfully, but there's still seven wides bowled from me. And you took two poles. Yeah, I guess that would too. Let's, 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 let's look at it this way, right? There were five bowlers in this match for the Barbarians. Uh, four of them were Australian. And we can comfortably say that of the 57 extras, 55 of them came from Australians. <laughs> That's true. And only two from, uh, two from DeSandri, two wides from DeSandri. Uh, he, look at his economy rate, two. Two for 14. I remember this game. Four, he bowled, he was bowling awesome. Seven. Jesus. He was swinging the ball away and they couldn't hit him this day. I remember that distinctly. Yeah. He had a great fly in action when he wasn't injured. Like I think he cops a lot of injuries, probably because his action is the one way that they taught him to bowl. But that's mm. just another side note. Mm. Um, yeah, so we we rolled him for 140, even with the 26 run over. Yeah. And then, as I just said, John came out and smashed it around, and we chased it what three wickets down. I well, actually, oh, I can tell another good story about this 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 match in particular, because there's a bit of a tradition in the Barbarians, which I'm not sure has been talked about, which is uh, the packing of the kit at the end of the day. Have we talked about this yet? No, not uh, really. No, no, we haven't. No. Yeah, John, you want to talk about how we go through and that do that? So I think I think uh, and I it I was I was I thought I thought it was going to come up in Barnsley's episode because uh, you know he he was speaking about you know what's you know why did he hate opening the batting sometimes right and it was because if he got out early he would have to go an umpire because back in those days it was just the one umpire um, one professional or one um, neutral umpire plus you know the batting side had to provide a, a square leg so he used to hate batting he used to hate opening the batting because in the case that he would get out he'd have to then go square leg for you know a fair part of the afternoon instead of sitting in the sheds you know either having some early bintangs or uh, or you know sitting around having a chin wag with some of the guys um i used to hate getting out early um because it usually meant that i probably had a low score and was very much at risk of packing the kit because the rule in our club was if you whoever gets the lowest score had to pack the kit and what made that even worse for guys like me is that I actually bought my own kit. So I didn't even use the team kit. So I was like, you know, you're there packing the team kit, plus you're also packing your own kit, right? And um, and so, yeah, so so tradition in the Barbarians, and I, I, Josh, I don't know if it still exists. I hope it does. I, but, I packed um, the kit this week. Yeah, it's very good. So, um, so yeah, so if you, if you score the lowest amount of runs, you have to pack the kit. Now, of course, if there's two guys who get a duck, then you, or, you know, or, or the lowest score, then you at least have a buddy to pack the kit with. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, the last person packs the kit. And I do, you know, I have, I have just very distinct memories of my first time packing the kit. Uh, 
and I think we just got some new some new stuff from the UK. Maybe maybe it was new, maybe it wasn't. But uh, Barnsley was a Barnsley's like a, a real stickler, on, yeah. real stickler yeah. for detail. Yeah. No, 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 no. They don't go right. like that. You got to no. put the velcro through, and they've got to go in that yeah. bag inside that, yeah. and you pack in the, those first. Inside the Balls red mesh. Yeah. The inside red the mesh. red mesh. Inside yeah. the inside oh. the kit. No, that goes on the bottom. No, you got to put the bats in a certain way to protect the bag and give the bag some <laughs> yeah. shape so it fits in the back of the car. And I'll and, tell you um, what, I'll tell you what's funny about this is that I was actually thinking this as I was packing the kit that, uh, you know, it's funny this comes up because as I was doing it this week, it's like, fuck, this thing's a mess. It really needs someone to come in here and, <laughs> and apply some, uh, apply some sort of bounciness. Yeah, so some bounciness. Yeah, take some control here. So uh, I think, Jared, you're, you're raising this because uh, I see on this scorecard that you were our lowest scorer this game. Yeah, I was a lower score. I remember packing the kit and I remember we were just easily cruising to the match and I went out with what? I went out at 99 with 50 runs required, batting with Benny or 40 runs required. And yeah, I don't remember how I got out, but five runs off 10 deliveries, lowest score. I've got a yeah. photo of myself packing the kit if you want it. Yep, send that through. Uh, you got caught by Sharma, bowled by Singh. So uh, you probably got caught yeah. on the boundary. I, I, don't, I don't recall how I got caught or where I hit it. Probably... I don't know, whatever. Caught behind, probably. We'll just say that. But yeah, so that's the tradition. That it's good to bring that up, and, that, and that's something that we do at the Barbarians, which is great. And I believe in, t- I, th- I think in two matches in a row, one was myself and one was Burgess. But don't quote me on that. I don't know if Burgess ever packed the kit. No, I think Burgess it was quite rare. Burgess has packed the kit because when him or when him or Scott Mason ever packed the kit, everyone used to get their phones out and take photos just because they. Um, I think it just you know because they wanted to sue, uh, yeah. have a memory of that. I think Marie. one of those two. I mean, Benny scored 39 this match as well, but I think one of those who did it the week before or the week after. Um, yeah, but that's that match. That's that's more than enough about that match with with John and, and, and the tradition of kit, kit packing. The last on-field highlight was definitely like, I, I scored 150 for the Barbarians and I think myself and Benny Burgess, yeah, we had a massive partnership. Uh, it was in the last match I played, Josh, if you wanted to look at, at Gandhi School against Gandhi. We actually ended up losing the match, which is a shame because I remember this. They had two batters that absolutely smashed us in the second innings. And it looks like Bruni might have retired hurt here. I'm not sure what the story was there. But it says retired next to his name. But... Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. Retired on 43. Yeah. Myself and myself and Benny had a over 100-run partnership. He scored 100 not out for the match, and I scored 51 or 45. Yeah, not a lot and, of contribution um, from Baker this match. Yeah, but I didn't pack the kit, so there you go. Yeah, Look yeah, at that. Three... Three golden ducks in a row. Is that a hat trick? Uh, yes. Well, it looks like it might have been the first game me and you played. It might have been the first time I packed the kit. So. Well, there you go. Was Josh? Were you involved in a hat trick? I, I I don't remember ever being involved in hat trick. No, but they're all first ball ducks. So I think it might have been. The like they're ball. all. And what, what would be a hat trick? And what would be amazing is how would you how would you give the guy a hat trick by being stumped? But how is this? None of the wickets in the wicket column down their bowling figures. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's bizarre. Could we, could, 15, Josh, you want to go 15. challenge? Josh, can you go back and challenge the result of this game? It's not yeah. a hat. It's not a. Just, it's not a hat trick, though, John. You know why? Because the the four wickets were on different scores. Ah, uh, yes. Two fourteen, two fifteen, two fifteen. So there must have been a wide. Yeah, he bowled two wides. Yeah. So. I do uh, also remember say, when, when when they first started doing this uh, scoring stuff for the JC. I do remember there was all sorts of. Basically, you know, system-wide Kiwi admin problems where people didn't know. All teams were like, 
would fuck up and they didn't know how to edit balls and then they'd have to like recalculate it wasn't always super accurate right at the start so well, when they brought that in right they had you, you had to do the manual system as well as the the, the online system yeah um yeah you're right the fall of the wicket that's not a hat trick so that's that's good we weren't we weren't hattied up yeah um no but the reason the other highlight or low light was i remember that this guy narash gupta came out and just pumped us everywhere he was hitting everyone and he, he ended up scoring 90 or 48 deliveries and they chased down like we got 215 which is a great total and they chased it down 30 overs six down I can tell you who got pumped that day. Burgess got pumped. But Burgess and, and Scott both, he was hitting them into the school of time, like over and over and over again, into where that net is on the side of Gandhi School. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Because we had to keep going through the fence. I remember that. Um, so that wasn't one of our proudest moments, but just one thing that I remember was batting with Ben for a long time, and it was really good to bat with him. He obviously has the experience of, of playing great cricket, playing high-level cricket, so... Developing myself as a player, if, if you can say that barbarians do that, that was definitely an opportunity about him with him was, was mate, a great we, way to develop myself a little bit. Mate, we develop players. Um, may not necessarily be on field, but uh, definitely a bit off field. Yeah, I mean, which, <laughs> yeah, we mean, they, they come and they, they, they turn up green. They haven't, haven't had a lot of experience and we sort of show them the ropes and teach them the ways of, of uh, the barbarians, you know. And they we give, them a few, give them a few chapters from the lessons of life. Yeah. Excellent. But yeah, I mean, just the opportunity to play with you guys and, and reminiscing now, it's, it's, it's awesome. The, the culture and the, the history of the Barbarians, as young as it is, I mean, we're such a tight-knit group and it's great to think. I can't wait to hear some of the other guys come on the podcast. Your, your Tim Gutzels, your Sean Hankins. Um, I don't know if Ruben will ever get on, but I'm sure he has some amazing stories from his life uh, and a whole range of other characters, right? Like there's, there's guys that I play with. Benny Burgess, if he gets on, Scott Masson, like these guys that obviously have a big background in cricket. Like I follow them all on social media and it's great to see what they're doing. Um, and yeah, it's just walking back through memory lane and, and giving people a taste is, is, is awesome guys. So I appreciate what you're doing here. Well, maybe that's a good segue into uh, maybe some of your off-field highlights. Um, Cause I think you had a short, I think in a very envious position of having a short, sharp, short, sharp stab, uh, you know, in your, I mean, you're still young now, Jared, but um, you were a little bit younger when you were six years ago, right? You were, 22-year-old, tearaway, um, you know, hitting up uh, Indonesia. Um, just would have been a fantastic experience. But uh, what, what, what were some of your off-field highlights? Yeah, I know most of the podcasts talk about this, but just getting together with the guys and, and being able to get together after the matches was, was obviously num- one of the number one highlights. Um, some of the stories, there was a couple of barbecues. Uh, let's see, in particular, a couple of really good nights out with a couple of the other young guys, so... I remember going out with uh, a few of the what's what's the rugby union team from Sinaian or Jakarta called the Komodos. 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 So I think um, Ben Corbett actually was was heavily involved with those guys. Yeah. Okay. And uh, went on a, a pretty fun night with him. We went up to the the rooftop bar. Yeah. Um, that was a good highlight. That was a, a long night. That was. What's um, what's your recollections of the vodka wars, uh, that was spoken about on Ali's podcast a few episodes ago? Oh man, this was after this was after a match, and this was yeah. When I was listening to this on the like Ollie's version of the podcast, this was unreal because this this evening, right, we'd finished cricket, and yeah, we we started off all sitting at a booth, but then I'm sure my my recollection is that the lady came up and said, "No, you booked the table at the bar." Mm-hmm. So as you said, John, yourself and Ollie went up to the bar, and I don't for the life of me remember why myself and Barnsley 
went over to the other side of the bar. But I, just, I remember just sitting over the other side and just these arguments going back and forth for a good five, ten, probably an hour, to be honest, But by the time it finished, of trying to get the bar girl to go back in between us and, and bring the vodka there, take it over here. It was guys it was, coming in and out. It wasn't five or ten minutes or an hour. It was a bottle of vodka worth on each side. Because yeah. there were three bottles of vodka that night. Oh, yeah. man. That was... For those don't that don't know at home, if you're in Indonesia, which is really unique, you can sit at a bar and, and they'll open a bottle in front of you and you can just purchase that bottle and have it to be yours. Yeah. Um, it's very dangerous as, as it sounds. And without saying too much, there was four of us and two and a half bottles gone. <laughs> well, and, and as I pointed out, plus quite a few beers that were parked up next to the bottle. Yeah. By the end of the night, I think we were just... It was to the point where... Two immovable objects, right? What is it? Newton's law. <laughs> they they repel and attract. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was un- it was unreal. The f- you wouldn't be able to write about it. Uh, I remember yeah. just sitting with Barnsley. Barnsley's like, no, come over here because I had a. I think I was a bit little closer with Barnsley at the time because I always rode in the car with him. Yeah, I think I had a bit more of an allegiance to him. And and yeah, yeah I think yeah. you need you really need to go back and listen to Olive, Oliver and John's recollection last episode to get the full story. You had to choose a side, and you chose the wrong side. Well, no, I don't think that's how it is. No, I think be. I think I think cozying up to the the manager, selector, and treasurer is not a bad idea. Oh. And I also be, think he's always think going to be selected. So what's he what's he cozying up for? Yeah, yeah but I also yeah. think that. Have you seen the photo? Oh, wow. Have you seen the I, photo? I did. I did see the photo on your Twitter. It was great. You'd had a haircut. That's the bar. Him. That's the bar lady, right? Yeah, she's yeah, the one yeah, that was yeah. getting stroppy about it. That's right. That's right. There's a there's a bintang here and the bottle of vodka sitting in front of you, and yeah, um, and go to the second one there, Josh. Wow. Doesn't Oliver look a treat there? <laughs> Baker looks like he does normally. You've had some vodka this morning, mate. <laughs> Probably just topping Sorry, up you're in the, the evening. Before. No. Um, Topic, this... Topping up from the night before. Is this is that the guys in the background? Is that the rest of our team? I think so. I think so. I don't know. It's a bit uh, whoever it is, but yeah, you can see. I just remember that that it got. I think it worked out. The way that it happened was was the best way about it. The fact that we split up and that this story is being told and I can remember it so vividly. Um, I wonder if I have another photo from that night that I can throw in as well. You can have a look. But, uh, I'll have a look. Geez, but yeah, it was, it was just hilarious. Like I just remember laughing and crying with laughter just because of the amount of time that it was happening. Um, and just the, the back and forth, right? Like I think it got to the stage where the, both the bottles of vodka were finished and you said this, that the third bottle came out. Yeah. And I think that's when we decided just to come join you because like, we can't do another bottle over here. <laughs> probably if Barnsley had another older guy with him he probably would have like I, I think, think it's, <laughs> yeah yeah that's, I think that's what you call mutually assured destruction I think so to I think it, by to, that to, stage to put it into cold war parlance you know you're both sitting on either side of the bar you, no one's going to win this yeah everybody's going to win was the clubhouse around when you were there so the clubhouse was just starting okay like they just just initialized it and yeah I do remember sitting in block M with with Simsy and, and Baker at uh who was the guy that owned the bar? Yeah, Saki Everest. Saki. Saki. Yeah, sitting at, sitting with Saki and talking to Simsy for long hours about all sorts of things. And I think I might have been there the night that uh, a special Rugby World Cup was going on, oh. and the night where you couldn't talk to a certain Mark Sims. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So you were there. There, that was like one of the early. That was one of the first. Yeah, it was one of the first nights there. The uh, when Japan beat South Africa. Yeah, I think I was because I definitely remember that, and I was just so shocked. Right, everyone was shocked that this was happening. Yeah. Was it 2015, the World Cup? Yeah, it was, yeah, 2015, yeah 2015 World Cup. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah, no, I was there because I think I said one snark, like one little smart-ass Aussie comment and I just learned very quickly not to. 
<laughs> that, uh, yeah, tricks for new players. That's what they call that. Yeah, you don't. You, yeah, as a, the, um, that's, a, that's a young gun going in too hard and too early. Uh, where don't, worry. Be. Oh, don't worry. I'm, don't worry. I made the same mistake and I'm 10 years older than you. I, I, had, to, yeah. I had to crawl over to the other corner because I thought also, right? There's no way South Africa is going to lose to Japan, right? No, and we all. We, we, I remember we were watching him. We were just like, is this actually happening? Like, as we were chirping him, chirping him, and he was getting more and more annoyed. Yeah. And we and started then, shutting up and moving away. Well, we yeah. started shutting up really when we realized we've wound him up so hard. And now they're actually looking like there's a chance here. What if yeah. this actually happens? Yeah. How are we going to defend our lives? And <laughs> where, where, where's the nearest exit? You know? There is yes. one more off field highlight that I remembered as well after this. Yeah. Down. Um, I don't remember the establishment. Where was the place that you yourself and Barnsley would always take over the DJing at? Oh, Maxi, EP. Maxi's maybe. Is that in the block? Yeah. 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 And there's mannequins. Yeah. That was at Maxi's, right? Yeah. Yeah. Those and mannequins, this is the... So those mannequins ended up at, so that's, so <laughs> you're talking about the uh, Austin Powers ones, right? Yeah. So the Barnsley... floral dress and the, yeah, yeah, Felicity Shagwell or whatever her name is. So Barnsley and I had been at a, I don't know what we're at. We're at something at uh, you're at the Hard Rock. So, you're at the soft opening for Hard Rock. We're, well, okay. Um, anyway, we're at the we're at the Hard Rock Cafe. The I don't know if it's the current one, but the because there's been like three in Jakarta previously. Um, but yeah, we're at the we're at the Jakarta Hard Rock Cafe in the one in um. It's Yeah. Um, and uh, well, the benefits of having a driver, we um. We decided that uh, these would look good in the clubhouse, and so um, we we walked out with them and we put them in the back of our cars, which was no mean feat because we had to fold down chairs and throw them in the back. And I think one of us jumped in one of the other cars because these things were quite big because um, they're life size, right? They're six foot, you know, five foot eight, whatever. And then um, we got them down to Maxi Bar, and then I think they lived in Maxi Bar for a week or two until our clubhouse was finished already. And then we walked them down the road and put them up in Everest um, upstairs in our second level clubhouse. Um, and they were there for the, for our soft opening, so to speak, or our grand opening. Um, so, yeah. So um, because of, obviously they couldn't stay in our car. Um, Cause it took up a lot of room, but yeah, um, they were, they were a big hit in there that night when we got it to maxi bar. Cause um, I think a few of the boys came down and we'd, we been meeting a few guys there and we'd um yeah, we just bought some of these uh, mannequins along. Yeah, I just remember you guys walking in with the with, with the mannequins and photos and the the fact that you guys ran the DJ and we had the, the microphone and we're doing a bit of karaoke, which is a another massive part of Indonesian culture. Um, yeah, it's a great it's a great great thing. And I don't know if we've talked about karaoke yet, but that's that's another part of Indonesian culture that I'm sure someone will get into at some stage. You got it. Barbarians have had a few good karaoke sessions. I don't I don't remember doing oh. This, one, this just brings back so many more memories. The more I talk, the more stories I remember. Yeah, go on. Like, I remember the the final, the end of season brunch that year. Yeah, that's, that was yeah. a big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah and then we yeah. ended up at karaoke afterwards. Do you yeah, remember? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was unplanned, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like right. we just, we had the brunch, which was an all-in, an all right, I think. Yeah. Bottomless yeah, so brunch, I think you call it. Yeah, or you can drink for like four hours or whatever. Yeah, mimosas and that's that type of thing. Yeah, and, and lagers, and then we ended up um, going to karaoke with with a few of the the ladies of the men, and yeah, in Sinai, I believe. I don't know where it was, but it was, it was good fun. I think we went to the one in basement one down in Sinai and City. Um, in the Zinnah Mall, I think. 
Yeah, yeah, the the uh, Sinai City Mall, um, basement one. And I think yeah. we've got like the V because there's like twenty of us. I think we got like the VVIP room and just threw some bottles in there and just went nuts. Yeah, yeah, right. it was it was excellent. And I think there's a photo from that 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 day as well. You can probably throw up if you find it. Couldn't get Hankin off the microphone. Yeah, hey, Hankin yeah. loves to sing. Yeah. yeah, he loves it, doesn't he? Yeah, he definitely does. I think we're going through all the Australian classics, the New Zealand classics, like all the songs that we love from back home. Right, it's great. Yeah, yeah. And all the songs we love from Maxi Bar as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Maxi Bar was a, went there a couple of times. So, all right, Jared, you ready for the final six, mate? Yep, let's go for it, guys. It's now time for the last over. Six questions to end the inning. Ooh. All right, uh, first question. Um, do you prefer the longer 35 over format or the T20? Uh, yeah, for me personally, that's, that's a very easy one. I traditionally don't perform well in t20 matches back in australia yeah i do I, I do like to score quickly and i score usually over runner ball but i find in the 35 over matches just less pressure i don't know i just and i i enjoy bowling more overs right like i'm more of a bowler so it's better to have yeah. those seven overs all right uh who opens the batting in your first 11 yeah and i've heard everyone talking about this and as you can see from a few of the scorecards we went through earlier it really depends on the situation mm. now I enjoy playing cricket and I enjoy making sure everyone's having a good time, right? So, I mean, I'll give you two answers here. The The first answer, if we're being competitive and we want to win, from my experience purely when I was there, you're going to have... See, this is a, this is a tough one. You're going to have Burgess, no doubt. Burgess is a lock-in either way. Like, he's, I think it's pretty safe to say he is one of, if not the most talented cricket that we've had at the Barbarians. Yeah. Um, bat him with him. If you want... Burgess to be happy and quick singles being scored, you're going to throw Eki in there. If you want the experience and another great batsman, you're going to throw John in there. No, no, no. I like the, <laughs> I like the way you've gone. Burgess's happiness, throw Eki in there. Yeah. <laughs> like you're worried about Burgess's mindset at the crease when he opens the batting, so you'll throw Eki in there with him. Well, yeah, you know Burgess likes to run quick singles, right? So, um, so do I. It's all about rotating the strike, mate. Yeah, when you hit it, John, you love to run the quick single. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when the other guy hits it, you're pretty much sitting there. It's not going to my, that's, that's going to my column, is it? That's right. Um, Especially on the last ball of the over. I mean, bloody hell. Yeah. Give me this. But if we, have, if we have days when, the, when they're not getting many runs, it's great to see everyone, everyone being rotated yeah, as yeah. well. Like, no, of course. Sure. No, I did, I, did like, I did like the fact that, you know, we gave a few guys the odd, the odd, the odd go up, up when we could. Um, yeah. And not many of them took their opportunities by some of the scorecards we read out earlier. But uh, yeah, okay, good. Um, and who did you enjoy batting with the most? The third question. You know what? There's probably two guys that I remember distinctly batting with for longer periods of time. One was Ben, obviously. We had that great partnership we talked about earlier. But the other one was uh, was Tim Gutzel. Oh, you enjoyed batting with him? Yeah, like he was a, a bit of a, a bit crazy between the wickets and <laughs> a bit all over the place. But but yeah, I, I distinctly remember batting with him once or twice. And he was captain of the season at the time, right? So it was, it was good, good little chat there. And okay. like I was fit and young, and I had, I had good knees then, so running between wickets was fine for me. So that that was that was a good thing. Okay. And who's your favourite cricketer of all time? Doesn't have to be a barbarian, by the way. Could be anyone. Uh yeah, great question. I can probably give you two answers again. Um, batting wise, definitely Brian Lara. Uh, I love watching nice. the way that he plays. Yeah, I don't know if you guys watched the charity match they had in Australia last year. I did, yeah. But the highlights of him coming out at like forty, whatever he is, forty-five or. Probably even older now, 50, 50-ish. 
and just smashing the ball over cover again with his left-handed cover drives. Like, I think watching him bats like second to none. And then growing up, definitely the biggest influence or the guy that I saw the most on TV was Brett Lee, right? Steaming in, running in hard. Um, I used to like watching Mitchell Stark, but he's, he's gone haywire with his bowling. Yeah, it, it's weird. They don't swing it. He doesn't swing it like he used to, huh? No, yeah, Mitchell Johnson had the same issue actually. If you remember back, yeah, back when he was playing about 2014, 2015, they just stopped yeah. reversing it. Can't but I've, I've worked a lot with Mitch, I've met Mitch quite a few times through my old work with Cricket New South Wales, and yeah, no, so probably Brett Lee and, and Brian Lara will keep it short and sweet. Okay, very good. You're stuck in traffic coming back from Chiverbor. Who do you have in the car with you? Yeah, this is one of the ones where it gets a bit, uh, a bit more dubious. So I've heard the answers from the other guys. I'm going to change it up a little bit. Good. I'm going to have Barnsley and Barnsley's driver because they're the two that I'm always, always traveling with. Yeah. So you need a chariot? Yeah. Well, I need <laughs> someone that's going to reliably pick me up and take me home. That's that's always a good start. Yeah. And I'm going to throw... Oh, who am I going to throw in there with me? I'm going to throw Ruben in there as a bit of a dark horse, a new name. Like Ruben was... His stories were great. I know he had his own driver, so he wouldn't probably be in another car, but... Let's assume yeah. his uh, car's in for servicing that day, so Ruben's in the car. Yeah, he's a rough and tough Aussie guy who has some has some great stories. Yeah, he's been in Indonesia for a long time as well, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Purely for for comfort of the drive and like making sure we're not all too squished in, I'm gonna go like a a. Uh, I like it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna go go an Ollie cool. and a Josh, I think, to to round the car out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jared, I like it. Thanks, mate. Very good. Gonna like keep jo- that's going to keep Josh off my back for a few weeks yeah, when he yeah, keeps yeah. Uh, claiming that the, I'm, I'm trying to ask these two, questions to rig it towards Two honourable mentions for if, if it wasn't wasn't Barnsley, I, w- I would be in John's car with John's driver. Oh, there you go. And then I've got honourable mentions for Maybe and like Sam Maybe and Ben Corbett as two other young guys as well. Okay, it's not a bus, it's a car. Nope, that's what I said. Like They're just the honourable mentions. <laughs> All right, last question. Here we go. It's a tight game in the JCA final. One over to go. Who do you trust to bowl us to glory? Yeah, from what I you saw, can say you. you can say you. Yeah, you can say you. No, I'm not good. At, I'm not good in the last over under pressure. Ah. Like this might change to people's. Actually, I'm not terrible, but at the time I was, and at the time when I played for Barbarians, obviously I was I was bowling quite well. Um, but experience, there's only one guy that. Well, there's a there's a few guys, and it's tough, right? Because the three best bowlers we probably had were were all three spinners. Mm. In OMT. In um, in Lindsay. Burgess and in uh, and Lindsay, yeah, and I don't think spin's good for the last over, in all honesty. So, if I'm going to be short and sweet, probably myself or Desandri would would take the last ball at the last over if we had any overs left, depending on the situation. Like a lot of the time, we'd already bowled out because we we're trying to get the other team out. Yeah, we we're a good bowling team, right? Back in the day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if it wasn't myself or Desandri, it'd be one of the three I mentioned before, but. I'll just say myself because the pressure's on me then. And yep, you'll step up. Very good. All right, Jared. It's been great uh, cutting oranges with you, and um, good to catch up. Good to see that you're in uh, you're you're in good health. Um, you're in Canada, so um, enjoy the rest of your time there, and hopefully we'll catch up soon, uh, either in Indonesia or uh, hopefully in London, maybe next year on that tour if it, if if we can get it up. Yeah. Yeah, nice to talk to you, Jail Bank. Good to see you're um, doing well there in the in that lady's basement. Uh, looking healthy, looking good. So, yeah, go well, mate. It's been great to chat. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, John. Yeah, it's been a pleasure uh, reminiscing on a small part of this journey. It's been awesome. 
Until next week, guys, witness the fitness. You've been indulging in the Cutting Oranges podcast. Hosted by John Baker and Josh Von Vianen. A walk down memory lane of the good, the bad, and the ugly of the Jakarta Barbarians Cricket Club. Stories on this podcast may be embellished by the guests, and recollections of these events may vary. If you never look at an orange the same way again after hearing this, then we have served our purpose. Until next time, we'll get you to push back down to third band to save the boundaries from all those edges coming through. I'm looking at the stats and do you know what I can see here? JBB Baker's Dozen. Oh, mate, you need to... That's the name in the in Quick HQ. Still haven't fucking changed it. I, I, yeah, I mean, you think you're funny. You know what else I just know. saw on a side note? I just saw John walk back with a teapot. Yeah, mate. He's got a teapot. Tea. Nice, mate. A few tea leaves. What do you go for? Uh, mate, I've got, a, I've got a war chest of tea. Uh, this is a white tea.